Okay. Hello, everyone. We are going to have a, a little uh, session of introduction to the concept of stochastic dominance. Uh, this is section 4-6, uh, that is chapter 4, section 6. We already talked about the notion of uh, dominance and uh, stress the importance of that concept. In some sense, if uh, dominance was prevailing, we would not need to bother with utility theory. Now, this is sort of a self-defeating purpose, as we discussed, because, of course, if uh, the concept of dominance uh, was prevailing, uh, some asset or portfolio would never be held, and this cannot be an equilibrium situation. Yet, uh, dominance remains important and is important for exposed evaluation. If we compare the performance of uh, different portfolios, or for instance, different asset managers, we will be using a set of different criteria, for instance, something called the Sharpe ratio. But in effect, all these criteria are subject to con being contested. The, none of them are universally valid. To the extent that one can find dominance as the result of the comparison between two portfolios or two asset uh, managers' performance, there we can say uh, a large and, and, and very strong statement, we can make very strong statement about the performance of these managers. So in this section, we are going to push further this notion of dominance. We talked about state-by-state -state dominance. We talked about mean variance dominance. Uh, we'll say more about mean variance dominance in the next chapter. We uh, emphasize, and it's obvious, that state-by-state -state dominance is a very strong concept. It is useful to try to go further and explore this notion. And this section proposes two alternative concepts of dominance, which are weaker and are of wider applicability than the state-by-state -state dominance. Okay, let's look at uh, the following example. We have two possible investment alternatives, and these alternatives are defined as Z1, Z1, and Z2, okay? These alternatives uh, will provide three possible payoffs. Once again, we, we are into a very simple situation. Three possible payoffs, 10, 100, and 2,000. And for each of these uh, three payoffs, we have been able to identify the probabilities. For Z1, the probability that this payoff, that the return on Z1 will be, I should say the payoff rather than the return, the actual cash payment out of Z1 uh, is 10, is 40%. The probability that the payoff is 100 is 60%. And the third possible payoff, 2,000, has no probability if we invest in Z1. Z2 has the same probability of paying 10, 40%. It has a probability of 40% of paying 100 and a probability of 20% of paying 2,000. Now, immediately we should uh, observe, and this is what we do here, uh, at the bottom of this table, we should observe that the expected value of Z1 is 64, and the standard deviation of Z1 is 44. Okay, 64, 44. We can make the same computation for Z2, and we obtain for Z2 a larger expected value, 
but also a larger standard deviation. Let me open a parenthesis here. Expected values, standard deviations are concepts that you should master, that you should work. You should be able to work out from such data uh, the expected value and the standard deviation, and this is the occasion to test your ability to do so. Now, we have this data. What do, does this data tell us? Well, in particular, it tells us that in terms of mean variance, there is no mean variance dominance. Can you check that? No mean variance dominance. Okay? So mean variance, which is what we are going to be using when we talk about the modern portfolio theory, would tell us some individuals, in fact, would prefer Z1 to Z2. Why would they prefer Z1 to Z2? Z1 does not pay as much in terms of expected value, but the risk of Z1 as measured by the standard deviation is smaller. Does it make sense? Well, think again. Forget about this mean variance data and look at the numbers. Is there anyone among you who would actually prefer Z1 to Z2? Z1, again, pays as little as uh, 10 or 100. Uh, it never pays 2,000. So there, in terms of probability, there is never a situation where, I should not say this, in terms of probability, the probability that Z2 pays less than Z1 is zero. The probability that Z2 pay, pays a lot more than Z1 is 20%. So when you look at this table, you see it seems like Z2 should be preferred to Z1 by any rational individual. And it is indeed what we are going to show. Uh, I started on the wrong track just a moment ago, and I would like you to think a little bit about organizing this table and in terms of state by state, in terms of state, okay? What are, what is the state of nature equivalent to this table? Okay, let's think about that. I'll let you think about this. I mean, what are the states of nature that we could describe to corresponding to this data? Now, I just stated that it seems like Z2 should be preferred by all individual relative to Z1. And indeed, the way to look at this and to think of this notion of stochastic dominance is to translate the data that you have just seen in terms of distribution function. Okay, here we have the probability distribution function, which is also called the cumulative density function, CDF, cumulative density function. And what do we do here on this, on this picture? Well, very simply, we, do, we, me we, we measure the total probability of being below a certain level of payoff for both uh, investments. So think of F1, for instance. We are going to start with F1, okay? And what we say, F1, if you invest in F1, there is strictly no probability that you get less than 10. You are guaranteed that you are going to have 10. So the probability, the red line that I've underlined, that is really meant to be at zero, no probability of being zero probability of, be, of having 
payoff less than 10. What is the probability that your payoff is 10? It is 40%. In fact, what is the probability that the payoff is less than 100? There is only one possibility, a payoff, payoff equal 10. So from 10 to 100, the total probability, remember, remember this is the probability that your investment pays less than 100. So we are just a little to the left of 100, and we know that we have 40% probability of obtaining, in fact, uh, less than 100 between, effectively, we are going to get 10 in that payoff, but this is uh, what this picture said. What about 100? Again, getting less than 100, the total probability with F1 that you get less than 100, think about the assessment, what is the total probability that you get 100 or less? Well, it is 1, because F1, Z1, sorry, does not give you any possibility of getting more than 100. So indeed, the total probability of being above uh, anything that, that you have here, the probability of being at a certain level that I have no uh, underlying, like this level, is one. You will be below this, you will be in fact at or below 100, and you see how by connecting all these points we have traced the cumulative density function or the probability distribution function for Z1. Let me use the color green to do the same thing for uh, Z2, which is thus F2, the cumulative or the distribution function for Z2. Same thing, in fact, right, there is no change up to 100. The probability that it's below 100 is 40%. Uh, the probability that it's below 10 is 0. But uh, the probability that it's equal or less than 100 is actually 80% and not 1 because there is this extra possibility of being at 2000, which is right here. So probability of being above or equal to 2001 and the probability of being less than 2000 is 80%. So we have this picture for the two cumulative density function, picture that I could relate in sort of a general way to the following picture, this one, two slides later, okay, we have cumulative density function that are, one is always to the right, the other one is always to the left of uh, the, uh, of the other. And I repeat, we have F1 is to the left, if you want, of F2, and the statement that we are going to make is in terms of A and B, first order stochastic dominance. Let FA and FB respectively represent the cumulative distribution function of two random variables that without loss of generality we assume to be in a certain interval. This is not very important. We will say that FA first order stochastically dominates, and we use the term FSD, FB. So FA first order stochastically dominate FB if and only if FA is to the left of FB. Okay, first order stochastically dominate is better in the stochastic sense if it is to the left of FB. Mm. Uh, is, that, is that correct? Now I have a little question. We have a mistake here. It should be to the right of FB, right? This is the one. I repeat this. Okay, 
The best one is obviously F2. It is to the right of FB. It is dominated if it's to the left of FB. And so I identify here that if FA first order stochastically dominate FB, if only FA is everywhere below FB for all X. Now that's correct, right? It's over here, which I use left and right or up, upside or below. Up or FB, repeat this, F2 is below F1 everywhere or equal F1 uh, or is to the right. I should have used below in order to for this to be clearer. Okay, well, think about this. The point is, this is a translation of the first uh, uh, data that we have given, Z1 and Z2. And why we like this, so FA is better, okay? It is below, or if you want, it is to the right. Uh, and to FB, it first order stochastically dominates FB. And why we like this is because indeed we have a theorem that I'm not going to demonstrate, but which says that if FA first order stochastically dominates FB, then it must be the case. And this is an if and only if. It's a complete characterization. It's an equivalence. When we say if and only if there's a statement of equivalence, it means that the expected utility provided by the investment A is going to be larger than the expected utility provided by investment B for all non-decreasing utility function. So non-decreasing means likes more, better than less. It seems like it's an obvious characterization. People are non-satiated. They like more better than less. So this is something that we will make assumption. The marginal utility is positive. If you give them more, they get more utility. For all these guys, which is all the guys that we are considering, we know that if we can identify an investment which first order stochastically dominates another one, they will prefer that investment. And we don't need to ask more information about these individuals. They will prefer A over B. Okay, let me just introduce the notion which is the one that is a bit more complicated, but that is the one where we ultimately want to go. And in order to do that, we take another example. We take investment three and investment four. These are two independent investments, so we are characterizing the probability in full. We are just saying investment three pays four with probability 0.25, five with probability 0.5, nine with probability 0.25. Investment four pays one with probability 0.23, six, 23, uh, 6.130, okay? Now, just look at this data and think of translating this into cumulative distribution function, and here, and here you are. Okay, so we have for uh, uh, investment three, the full line, investors four, the dotted line, and we see, of course, that the previous notion, first order stochastic dominance, does not apply here. It does not apply. And indeed, if you look at the data, it's not so obvious which one you really want. But what do you observe? What you observe here is that investment three is to the right of investment four for the first part of the range of the probability distribution. If you think in terms of first order stochastic dominance, we would have a tendency to say three is better. You say it, you can never go as low. You get, you, you get always as much, uh, more in the sense in, at, at low levels of uh, payoff with investment three than with investment four. 
But then there is this period, this uh, situation where the two distribution functions cross. And here, the dotted line corresponding to investments 4 goes to the right or below the plane line corresponding to investment 3. So we do not have stochastic dominance, but then they cross again, okay? They cross again, and basically what we are going to argue, and that requires a little bit of thinking, which is why I wanted to get you, get you prepared here, is that in substance, we are going to say that we have second-order stochastic dominance, provided the mass that I'm now tracing in red is bigger than the one that I've traced in green. In other words, in a sense, you could say we are investment 3 is gaining ground over investment 4 in this range, in the red area, okay? It is losing ground on the, in the green area, but the lost ground, that is the surface represented by what I've called area B, or uh, the green shaded line, is smaller than the surface represented by A. And so when we cross again, and when we again have a positive gain for 3, 3 is better than 4 because it pays more, and that is correspond to area C, the second red uh, shaded line, in a sense the total probability mass has not been uh, lost, if you want. So, are we going to characterize that? We are going to have to say, second order, this is second order stochastic dominance, FA and FB uh, are two cumulative probability distribution functions. FA second order stochastically dominates FB, if and only if, and this is what I want you to think about, which is what I have described can be expressed in terms of the integral over minus infinity to any x that we pick between the two cumulative functions, fb and fa. And if it is always positive, and this always positive is the translation that I, what I have just expressed, the shaded area, the total shaded area in red is always bigger than the shaded area in green. In other words, when we move horizontally, we never go in the negative side. When we take the shaded area in green, uh, in red, sorry, uh, less the shaded area in green. Okay? And there must be some strict inequality for meaningful value. Why do we like this result? Why is it important? Because we have this second theorem, and the second theorem says, if we have second-order stochastic dominance, if FA second-order stochastically dominate FB, or dominates FB in the second order, then again we have an if and only if, so we have an equivalent, then every individual will prefer A to B in the expected utility sense, provided the utility function is non-decreasing, same condition as we had for first-order stochastic dominance, but most importantly concave. In other words, all risk-averse individual, individuals prefer A, which is the dominant investment in the second order, and we don't need to question their rate of risk aversion in order to make that statement. 
This is all I wanted to do for today. We are going to uh, go a bit further in class, in particular, to show that this notion of second order stochastically dominates, provided one normalized investment, is very similar to the notion of mean preserving spread. And the mean preserving spread is, in a sense, the passage, the movement from an this density function this time, I'm not talking about the cumulative density, but the density function, from a density function A to a movement a density function B, where we see we take probability weight from the center and we put this probability weight into the tail. We put more probabilities in the extreme positive and negative values. And we are going to be very close to saying this is almost a definition of risk. Okay, enough for today. Uh, we will complete this statement in class.